0: Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports and opinions with a bit of snark built And We are a podcaster, Burn Orange Nation and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there to new listeners. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major players. You can find us under the podcast podcast feed. I also like to remind you of one of our friends and partners, the Texas X's Houston chapter. Uh, they are having the Texas off week golf open here in just a few weeks at about a month from now, Saturday, September 28th at the wildcat golf course. It is a, a, sh- a shotgun style. Start a four player scramble kicks off at 9. A.M. Uh, you can find more tournament and sponsorship information at Texas X's dot Come! All proceeds benefit the Houston chapter scholarship fund, so it's an opportunity to help support someone uh, to have the same great experience on the 40 acres as so many of us have. Breakfast, lunch, and encore snacks, plus plenty of uh, libations to enjoy. As well, there's a raffle, the marquee raffle item this year. I'm not even in Houston. I may send Kyle with some money. Two tickets to the 2020 US Open at Wingfoot in New York. You don't have to be present at the tournament to win, which is why I'm gonna send Kyle with some skrilla. Hashtag Cash App, right? Uh you can purchase the the tickets at TexaseX.com as well. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week and I'm joined by a man who enjoys towers being lit up regardless of the color Kyle Carpenter Kyle how are you
1: oh I'm I'm glad i am uh getting to relive the glory days right i I am i am just as happy with mac brown getting to light the 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 tower blue as he did orange um as long as it you know it means that there's enough winds to go around uh it's school time gerald kids are back in school the 40 acres is a buzzing uh i don't know that it's it's truly fall and there's there's leaves falling or a chill in the air yet uh but it's football season it's game week baby
0: it is game week man it feels like it feels like home it's my happy spot the the weather's gonna get a little cooler here in Oklahoma City so I'm excited about that tomorrow I uh, I was sitting on the couch it was Saturday evening and I was just working on some stuff for the podcast. And my wife just looks at me and she's like, this is, this is our happy place. Cause there's college football on the TV. Mm. I was typing away, working on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was half paying attention to the game, half, I don't know, playing candy crush or something, whatever she does over there. <laughs> but that's like our happy spot. So it's football time. Texas is in game week, gearing up for the Louisiana tech bulldogs. Now, before we jump into this, I do want to give you a quick update on our schedule for football season. Now, I know that you guys love being with us just once a week. And so what's better than getting to hang out with Kyle and I once a week. That's twice a week. So what we're going to do Throughout football season is we're going to give you two weekly shows uh, just to to help make the content a little more digestible. So what we'll do is we're going to do our normal Tuesday release for you, looking back at the previous game, kind of doing a recap, setting you up for uh, just kind of processing through and working through um, and settling down from what was a big win every Tuesday. And then later on in the week, Fridays for your Friday commute, will give you a preview of that weekend's game. So we'll give you not one, but two podcasts to listen to. Cause we want to make sure that this football season, we can give you some high quality content while also, um, Keeping things fun and light—I think that's the best way to describe it, right, Kyle?
1: I think so, and we obviously get paid per word on this podcast, so that definitely helps uh, helps us with pad the pockets, you know. No, um, but seriously, yes, yeah, so that hopefully keeps me from going, you know, on seventy five minute soliloquies. Uh, we're just going to break me up in half. We're going to Gerald and I coming at you twice, one for each uh, ear—left ear on on Tuesdays, right ear. Later in the week, so um, so yeah, this should be good. I'm excited for it. Uh, Let us know what you think, though. Hit us with the replies to Texas. Let us know uh, how that sounds to you guys. But uh, we're we're excited. More content.
0: So this week will only be one show because there's obviously we're gonna bring in the preview in this normal spot. So Texas is gearing up for a game against Louisiana Tech, and I'm feeling a little uh, skittish. Is a word that not many people use, but describes my feelings about this perfectly. Uh, Tom Herman is 0-2 in openers at the University of Texas against teams that should be outmatched. So, uh, Kyle, let's just start there. Texas has seemingly overlooked... Lesser opponents took it on the chin to embarrassing losses. The Maryland memes are almost as bad as the Kansas memes at this point. So how do you think this year is going to be different uh, in Tom Herman's third season opener? I've
1: tried to get people to watch hit TV show The Wire and they watch the first, you know, 10 minutes of, of a pile of an opening episode and say that show's not for me. It's no good. I'm hoping that Tom Herman does not repeat each wonderful, beautiful season as he's been on the 40 acres with a slow start to the season let's let's hope we got that all out and this is just hits right from the beginning all-time classics texas comes into this at home a 20 20.5 point uh, favorite i believe that the last i saw the the expectation is there um i think everyone knows they should at the very least out talent them um but but again that that has been the assumption in the past tom herman is is uh marvelous at uh, being the underdog, if you look at some of the uh, him versus spreads as, as the underdog, he's like eight and two and one or something all the time. Like you give him a point spread and tell him he's not going to win, he's at the very least going to cover. Uh, and if not, go ahead and win it. He's won five or six huge underdog victories, both at his time of U of H uh, and at, at UT. So we, we know he can do that when the motivation, when the chip's on the shoulder. I think this year three, as we talked about a little bit in our season preview, the separating differentiating factor that we'll know pretty pretty early on is if texas isn't at their 100 emotionally we're up for the big game but this is just a regular game it's it's the it's the wednesday at work for the rest of us the kind of grind you got to get in there and put in your hours on those weeks and we'll talk a little bit about why i don't think louisiana tech even is a run-of-the-mill opponent they have some talent um but but on those weeks can texas come in with 90 percent or can they give 100% every week? But even if they don't, if they give 90%, is that going to be good enough to win and win convincingly? We, you know, The the Maryland game is, is one thing, but I think back last year to the Tulsa game to where they barely eked out a touchdown victory after the Maryland loss uh, and just how down the spirits of the Longhorn faithful were before that USC win kind of helped change the narrative. So um, I, I think getting off to a fast start setting kind of setting a level and then letting that momentum carry into the big game uh week two and we're not like tom herman we're not going to focus beyond our week one opponent but i think that is that is the ideal opener i think um i think the the big thing too this year is uh we got you know jet sweep to death against maryland you know they brought in something it was new new coach but we knew what they were going to do and we just our defense wasn't ready for it. So I think our offense is going to be good. And we've talked all off season about, Hey, this defense is going to be talented, but young. Can they come out in week one in against a team that has some talent? It maybe isn't going to be the most talented team they play, but it's also not a, you know, not in a one in ten team. You know, they could easily win seven games this season, uh, eight games this season and contend for their conference title. It's not a bad team. So Texas needs to come out and show something. Again, how the offense looks, we probably have a better idea. But if that defense can come out and play and be ready week one as they haven't been the past two seasons, then I think that also sets a really, really good tone for this season.
0: Yeah, and I think the the big difference between this season and last season uh is one They don't – last year they didn't have Terry Bradshaw mouthing off (laughs) uh, about Texas and Sam Ellinger not being that good. So I think Sam Ellinger is going to throw for like 400 yards uh, just to prove a point. I think to be like, oh, I'm not that good, Uncle Terry, drunk Uncle Terry. Let me show you just how not good I am. So I think that's going to be a big motivation. And I think this is the year really that this feels like a Texas team that – Still can play the underdog mm. because there's so much conversation about Texas shouldn't be number 10. Oh, mm. Texas isn't that good. And there are all these other teams that are less talented than Texas in the Big 12 the people that people are saying, oh, Iowa State is going to beat Texas. Oh, Baylor's going to beat Texas. And so I think that's the that's the way that they can play kind of like how baker mayfield invents ways to have a chip on his shoulder i think that's the way that texas can kind of invent a way to have a chip on its shoulder this week where people are overlooking them calling them overrated and so they come out and hang half a 100 on louisiana tech like i think that's and that's the type of performance that i want to see out of texas in week one i don't want to see them having to eke it out or them having to kind of grind it out at the end i want i want I want this to be one of four for a lot of these incoming freshmen. I want all of the kids that they're planning on redshirting to play for the whole fourth quarter. Like that's what I want to see from Texas. I want them to see, okay, so we have all of these offensive linemen we're gonna redshirt. Let's go and just throw them out there. Oh, we got these freshman cor- uh, receivers and corners we're gonna redshirt. Just throw them out there. Like that's that's the type of performance that I want to see. And I think that if this team plays up to the level of talent that they can turn in, and I think that is a solid week one performance for Texas here.
1: I I absolutely agree. I think um I I think we we could talk a little bit about um how we get there, but I think we're aligned on the fact that we want to see a team come out. Uh, I mean, I remember I was at the San Jose State game a couple years ago under under Charlie Strong era, and of course, that didn't end up being a perfect season, but I remember winning that and being like, ah, this is Texas. If you look back at, like, for instance, the 05 championship season, I think they had one game, Ohio State, in the regular season that was close. And remember, they won a Big 12 championship game 70-3 to 3 that year. Elite teams, when you are at that level, I know it's not necessarily the Tom Herman playbook. I, I know he feels he has a rationed amount of points and he spends them wisely just to win by one to three each week. Um, but, but, in a, you know, not to be sarcastic, to, to, to be legit about it, that's when you... back. You don't have to justify, hey guys, we're back when you go out and beat the teams that you should by, you know, three, four, five, six even touchdowns. And you you leave no doubt. And in those instances you don't have to play your your star players and risk any late, you know, dumb injuries and games that don't matter, right? You get those guys off the field. You let dudes who are future of your program get the reps. And again, you 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 keep you keep yourself safeguarded from those worst possible things, which obviously Maryland is an example of worst case scenario. Um, but but again, my, my ideal opening to this game is, is Sam running off the field, looking into the camera and quoting uh, Phil Robertson, you know, what he said about Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Phil said, I'm going for the ducks. You can go for the bucks when he gave up playing football to be a professional duck hunter. Worked out for him. And I hope Sam Says the same thing uh, to Terry, but but I mean, on that note, what what do you think, Gerald? I mean, Sam obviously is the storyline in the off season. The guy's been on uh, more football; he's been on more magazine covers than. Uh, let's say, I don't know, Eva Longoria. The guy has been on some magazine covers. That's a dated reference.
0: That's a dated reference.
1: If <laughs> uh, you heard that Desperate Houseway, it's a pretty good show. No, um, I don't know where that came from. But uh, the man's been on some magazine covers this offseason. What do you think in game one you look at and you say, okay, check, success from Sam Ellinger?
0: No interceptions I think is the first thing. I, I want to see him, and and not be for the statistical thing, but I think if he's reading defense as well, like he was in that that long stretch of, of good play last year. I think then he doesn't throw a pick against a, you know, Louisiana Tech defensive backfield who their best defensive back is five foot nine. right mm-hmm. Like I, I expect Sam to have a clean game. I, I really want to see him play, not as a pocket passer, but not as the battering ram runner that we've seen him revert to when Sam goes full competitor mode, right? Like I want to see that because what we saw from year one to year two was like from year one to year two, it was Sam doesn't abandon the pass as quickly as he as he used to and is able to step up in the pocket and kind of do um, – this is not a, a fair or close comparison at all, but this is the first thing that came to my mind. Like the Dan Marino two quick steps in the pocket, like that's not his preferred play style, but he can do it. And now I want to see him – Even and not change who he is and change his game, but I want to see him as a quarterback who also happens to be an incredible. Punishing runner who can when everything breaks down and everything just goes uh, goes in a handbasket, right? He can just tuck it and run. I want to see because that's going to be the big differentiator Mm -hmm. for Texas. If Sam Ellinger is able to stay healthy through 12, 13, 14 games, then Texas can be a really, really special squad. And so I think that's what I want to see is Sam continue to develop as a passer. Cause that's the part, like I, I don't have any questions about his ability as a runner, zero questions whatsoever. Right. Um, but his, his development as a passer, kind of like Vince young, again, not a fair comparison, but from sophomore to, to junior year, like that was what took Vince to the next level. And I want to see the same thing from Sam.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, I'm, I'm fully in agreement with you. I think, um, my goal for, for Sam Ellinger in week 1 in this game is to be perfectly healthy standing on the sideline with a headset on giving some you know some pointers to uh to Roshan who's who's in the game to um you know to to any quarterback we can get in there in the fourth quarter when we're up by seven scores right you know i i, I like that to me, that's successful. That means he did what he needed to do. That means the whole team did what they needed to do and everyone got out, uh, got out healthy. But I, I do, I do agree with that. I think, um, you know, listen back to our, our interview in the preseason, their secondary is talented actually for a conference USA opponent, but doesn't have this size. We should have the apps, the Colin Johnson's, um, you know, even, even uh, a John Burt in there. We should have some weapons that they, they can't compete with. Obviously DuVernay um, that, that we should be able to just go and and, and really fine tune. It's like, it's they've, it should feel like they've been facing tougher guys in scrimmages, and they should just be able to go out, pick the plays they want to practice executing live in a game situation and go do those. And so, you know, Sam getting out of there with a with couple hundred yards and and not many forced rushing attempts is, is like you said, a win. But, I mean, that brings us to, I think, probably the thing that most Longhorn fans are um, actively familiarizing themselves with I think the the Longhorn running back depth chart anyone who has an RB next to their name obviously if we don't want Sam running the ball someone has to do it uh, we've had injuries all over the place Danny Young <laughs> Danny Young now, the latest casualty out at least six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, Kirk Johnson, you know, was, was a couple weeks ago. is going to miss at least the first four to five uh, games out with, I believe, a clavic. There was something after. It's not just a clavicle, but a, a clavicle-related uh, injury um, where he popped out on, on coming down there. So he's going to be out for a while. Uh, I mean— who takes the carries, and you're, again, if we're playing out this ideal scenario, who takes the carries uh, on Saturday, basically at the start of the game and then at the end of the game?
0: They're trying to reduce the number of, ta- of hits on uh, the two guys that should see the bulk of it, Keontae Ingram uh, and Jordan Whittington. They've been in non-contact jerseys uh, for the last several days and probably will be all through this week. So that'll be good to keep some of that wear and tear off of their bodies. But I think this is the year where Keontae Ingram – has to prove that he's an every down back or at least he's a three down back right where he's able to uh, get again and I don't i I would love to see some huge explosive plays and we probably will see some for both him and Whittington on Saturday but I think him being able to get four yards get four and a half yards get five yards of tough yardage because a lot of his uh, oh I think the biggest knock on him last year was he was able to find an edge and kind of make somebody miss but I think his ability to uh, get those tough yards because that's going to be the differentiator for Texas because we don't we we don't want Sam Ellinger taking all of those hits on third and short and third and goal from the three right we don't want those hits to go on our quarterback so if we can we thought that was going to be Danny young with the big body in there mm-hmm. but that's clearly not going to be the situation so I think Ingram proving himself as a as a every down guy a guy that can get the tough yardage and I mean you know he claims to have put on like 15 pounds of muscle in the offseason which still always seems to be like a medical impossibility at some point but that's neither here nor there um <laughs> I think if they can keep the 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 load I think maybe 70 30 Ingram uh, Whittington that feels good to me maybe 60 40 uh, 60 40 70 30 in that range I think just because Whittington also has some uh, some miles on the tires mm-hmm. based on his his high level of usage at basically every position for Quero. but after that like it's kind of like they moved Roshan Johnson to running back yeah. for a few weeks, right? Like it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, Roshan Johnson taking some snaps in practice. Jake Smith uh, getting in there just a little bit. Um, those are your kind of big athlete, big recruit names who uh, who could who could handle some snaps. Again, the hope all of this caveated on the fact that Texas gets a big enough lead and you can let some guys get in there. There's there's two names that I'm really I'm rooting for. They uh, moved former walk-on who, who uh, did earn a, a scholarship just a couple weeks ago, Mason Ramirez, from defensive back to running back, and he in the last scrimmage ran for 120 yards and a touchdown. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, that's a good feel-good story, uh, a kid uh, who, who could get in there and, and um, you know, get some real actual University of Texas Carries um, at the end of the game if if they're up and they don't need to use uh, the horses and they can preserve everyone. Um, Jarrett Smith, another preferred walk-on, who uh, he actually came from the Houston area from Clearbrook. Uh, and I texted Coach Zaychuk uh, about him, and, and he said he has great film. He's, he's small, really jacked at service academy offers. Um, when coming out of high school, he's a redshirt freshman, I believe. Uh, but, uh, you know, a guy who put up 1,700 yards his senior year in high school, uh, a guy who can run the ball. So we there, there are some options. It's not as though Texas is – utterly barren and and no one on the, on the roster knows how to carry the ball. Um, You know, it also could be a chance for Casey Thompson to get some reps kind of with some quarterback runs. Like we, we, we surely will see um, once Sam is gone and whoever, you know, is the next quarterback up again, you're going to see some, different looks, so maybe it's a time to try some of that out, let him get a field. There there will be different guys who carry the ball, but again, uh the main thing is is, is getting someone to take the snap and, and take a knee in the victory formation and getting at a week one with everyone healthy.
0: I, I mean the Texas normally doesn't play more than two guys, but again if one of them goes down yeah. then you know what? What the heck is going to, going to happen? Not a ton of surprises when they released the depth chart. Uh, at the wide receiver position, Johnson at the X, Devin Duvernay at the the H, John Burt getting the nod over Brendan Eagles at the Z. I think they'll probably uh, rotate those two guys. The offensive line is a little bit. Uh, you know, Texas said they had six guys they felt confident in. Uh, Cosme clear starter at left tackle, um, and then there's an OR. The ORs are out. Junior Engelau or Parker Braun at left guard, Shackelford, clear starter at center, right guard is Derek Kerstetter or Junior Engelau, mm-hmm. so Engelau, Braun, and Kerstetter are those kind of three, four, or I guess four, five, and six guys that they're looking at, you know, rotating in, um, and then Denzel Okafor at right tackle, and I think that unit is... Is at least in my opinion, and feel free to contradict me or correct me, but I think more than any other unit on the field, this unit's progression and cohesion can be a huge differentiator for Texas. If they're if the line comes together and plays well and gels and does what we've seen what we saw last year, Texas can be really special. If it looks like more like two years ago then I think we're going to see some struggles.
1: Yeah. This is as, as deep and as talented an offensive line group as Texas has had in, in a decade, right? It's, it's uh there are a lot of players here and, and a lot of guys who have upside to make this really, really special. Even if you just get a, a floor level performance from all these guys, all these players, you're going to have a pretty good season. I think um, when we talk about the running game, you talk about the offensive line enabling that. Whoever's back there, that's the first step. When you talk about keeping you know, the extra excess unneeded hits off of Sam, it's having good pass pro. So, I mean, all the things that you want to do start here with this group but I, yeah i agree with you i think it's not a huge surprise to see angle they the coaches really love him you know, getting some oars in there. And, and Kerstetter again, depending, Shackleford's listed as a starter. He should be healthy. Everyone's really uh, rooting for that. But if there's any question, I I don't know that they'll push it. Uh, and you could see that shift to where Kerstetter slides in there. Um, and then uh, you would obviously kind of push Angle out to that starting guard. So there are some options. Or even again, if you want Shackleford only to get a half, something like that, you'll see some different looks. But I think it's, it's good to have options, especially in the offensive line spot.
0: Having six guys is good. Having eight or nine guys is better so I think being able to see who that that next level back is was something that Tom Herman mentioned today I think tight end Cade Brewer passed the the concussion protocol he's good to go so feeling pretty solid there uh switching to the defense the the defense is I think where most of the questions at least for me uh, after the offensive line lie because you're replacing all of your offensive line we have talked about an ad nauseum so Roach Keandre Coburn and Taquan Graham are your starting offensive linemen. Uh, biggest surprise there for me, Kyle, is, is Ojomo being listed at the number two yeah. defensive tackle, which is a little surprising. B-backer, Joseph Osai, Dele, or Jawan Mitchell at middle. Yeah,
1: that's that's my biggest r- surprise on the entire – probably on the entire roster, but at least on the defenses. Uh, I thought Dele kind of had that locked up, um, Jawan Mitchell getting – getting the, the, ore I means he, he must be showing out. I'm, I'm, I'm reading that as more, uh, of him, him looking good than hopefully, uh, Dele, not, not seizing, uh, seizing that spot. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think Osai is the guy who you will see on the field with whatever he and shark, uh, for sure with whatever package they're running But that middle linebacker will be an interesting one to watch.
0: And, and I think you're right about that being more about Uh, Mitchell than, than Dele because Dele has been a guy that, that has not been far from Tom Herman's lips when he talks about the linebacker groups. I think that's more of a, you've got two good options and not, you know, again, Dele's a a redshirt freshman, so he's a young, talented guy. And then the defensive backs, we know the safety is not going to talk about that, uh, but your starting cornerbacks are listed as Jalen green, the only clear starter on that list, starting ahead of Anthony cook at cornerback, and then Kobe Boyce or Deshaun Jamison on the other side, B.J. Foster as your starting nickelback. So that I think that's where we have to pause for a minute and talk. Like Of the, of the units we just mentioned, uh, whether it's defensive back, linebacker, lineman, uh, what group do you want to see or need to see the most out of as Texas kind of gets a tune-up before a big challenge at home in two weeks? Well, for
1: me, this will come as, as no surprise. I, I, I think, um, obviously I, all three of these units, if you kind of put them in, th- in, in line, linebacker and, and defensive back have something to prove. Uh, but knowing me and what I watch, I will be watching to see, can we lead from the back? And, and again, that may be the, 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 not popular opinion because there's two groups that people want to see well what can they do but I want to see well how much can this team step up how many uh defensive backs are we going to have on the field what type of packages are we going to have obviously I don't think we'll show all the cards with LSU coming up uh the following week but um I, I mean to me truly uh, I want to see season two Stearns leading and having vision from the back and, and being a leader, Brandon Jones stepping up, he's named a, a captain of the team, just kind of leading from the back on that team. I'm really, really curious to see how they work in that nickel back package. Whether you know it's Foster's, Josh Thompson gets in there, whether we play Joker and get the other in. You know where uh, Chris Brown gets in and on the field. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of questions there. And then of course you look at the corners, and like you mentioned. It, Kobe Boyce kind of listed as the starter there with Deshaun Jameson as the or uh, at one corner, and then Anthony Cook kind of a clear backup to Jalen Green on the other side. So I'm sure we will see all four of those guys play. It will be a chance for for kind of the the non Jalen Green corner spot to be locked up for for LSU. So I I really think and and that's that's not to you know to say anything about the competition. Adrian Hardy is a, is a legit receiver. He's a preseason Bal Blit- Balitnikov watch list, a guy who originally out of Houston committed to OU over A and M out of high school, transferred to, to La Tech and then last year put up a top twenty season with seventy five catches and uh almost twelve hundred yards receiving um leading kind of conference USA in, in both of those. So I mean it's 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 gonna be interesting. They're gonna have to shut down a Big Twelve type receiver, a type of strong, fast a playmaker that they're going to see all year. So this will be a pretty good, uh, a pretty big indication for me about whether having just a super stacked, talented defensive backfield is enough to kind of lead and have that solidified to where you can run a couple of stunts, where you can leave guys on islands and get some pressure in unconventional ways and let Orlando do some of the things that I think he's really, really good at. So for me, the defense starts in the back. What about you?
0: So I think for me, Uh, The journey starts with the defensive line, because when you look at Texas, at least under Todd Orlando, when it was at its best, so not last year, but two years ago, the defensive line was absolutely incredible, and so I'm really interested to see what... Keandre Coburn does as a as a nose tackle. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think that guy has the level of talent to be one of the better defensive tackles that has ever played at the University of Texas. Like I love Puna Ford. We all, we ride hard for Puna on this podcast, but I think Keandre Coburn has the motor of Puna Ford with the natural size to be a space eater like Puna. Now, if he can play up to that level of talent, he's the GOAT, right? Because he's already clapped back at Baker Mayfield after a win, and then he fills in some shoes. And not to you know glance over the incredible job Chris Nelson did last year, but I think looking at the Todd Orlando defense, it's at its best when – kind of the bookends, your your defensive tackle and your safeties are playing up to par. And so I think if you can get him in the middle eating as many blocks as he possibly can, one or two blocks, generally grab a couple of guys and sit down and let your linebackers flow free, let the pass rush kind of be what the pass rush is, uh, create havoc in the backfield. That's when this Texas defense is at its best. That's when quarterbacks are guessing. And in such a pass-heavy league like the Big 12, the defensive line has to be able to Set the tone and keep the point of attack so T.O. can do what he wants to with these crazy defensive schemes, especially as the corners and safeties try to figure their lives out on the back end.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're certainly not wrong. I will be watching how much pressure we get as well. Uh, a guy who surprised me, and he is listed second on this depth chart this week, but he's 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 been a guy who has been on the coaches' names when they've interviewed the players with their availability. He's been a guy who's impressed some of the older players. Devondre Sweat, he's, he's listed as our second DE. Um, a kid out of high school who's who's playing at 6'4", 320, not even a, a yance fied body yet, just, just a guy who has seemed to impress everyone. Um, he could quickly get in, to the rotation, he could get into this game. Um, whether you know moving up the depth chart, I don't know that he, they're going to try to keep a, a redshirt year for him. But even if it does end up that way, this is a good game for to him to get in and really see where he's at, how good is he compared to the college level. So um, probably a guy who I'll be watching specifically for to see how he gets in. Again, assuming we're able to take care of business and and really rotate and, and get some of the get some of the guys in there and and see where we stand uh, as a holistic. Uh, team on offense and defense
0: so I think the other big news that we have to talk about before moving on uh Tom Herman announced today kind of in passing and then people pressed him on it uh the the returners we knew who the kickers and punters and and deep snappers would be but he dropped that uh Jake Smith would be the starting punt returner he just kind of said that out of the blue and then somebody asked him oh oh, so jake smith's the punt returner uh who's returning kicks and so he confirmed that again jake smith and Devin duvernay are going to be your starting kick returners uh brandon jones will come in as a punt returner situationally basically when the team is trying to pin them deep if you need somebody to make a air quotes good decision put your heels on the 10 and don't move then that will be a brandon jones situation but primarily jake smith will be your guy and so this is a guy that Kyle's been excited about since he was born. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> not Jake Smith. since Kyle was born. Kyle's been excited about Jake Smith. Um, So um, to me, we talked about this before the show, like you don't burn a guy's red shirt just for him to return punts. And so I think that's the conversation you have here is that if Jake Smith is going to play more than four games returning punts, he's going to be a heavy rotation guy in the passing game as well, right? Like that's, that's the only conclusion you can draw from that.
1: I knew I loved you before I met you. I think I dreamed you. No, I'm not going to go the whole thing, but I could Savage garden. No, I Jake Smith is a dude who's ready to be a favorite. Like he's a, a, a guy who, I mean, if you remember Jordan Shipley was a fantastic receiver, but some of his biggest, most memorable plays came on and game changing plays came on, on kick and punt returns. I remember one. it, Again, so you obviously that stands out. Um, but just on special teams, was able to really impact the game. But he's a kid who, again, whenever anyone talks about him, like Ellinger called him freaky fast. You know, uh, Beck said like the kid just. I'm impressed by his his speed and acceleration and maintaining top speed. Like he's a he's a he's a guy who get you excited and and like you kind of mentioned there if you're returning kicks every game you're not red shirting so hopefully that means he's going to be in the offense and we're going to get to see what he can do there but i think as a a gatorade player of the year and obviously dynamic player a player who they kind of list as is already stepping on the 40 acres one of the fastest players on the team um i'm just excited to see what that you know what that means to see him and to see him in pads in the burn orange um and and that first translation to the college game returning maybe the the opening you know kickoff uh of the season as, as a, 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 true freshman, 18 year old, uh, I'm excited for him and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty rocking moment.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see him out there. And again, like you mentioned, everybody thinks of like the kind of game flipping return from Jordan Shipley against OU that really set the tone there. So I'm excited to see what Jake Smith does. Um, cause he's an electric player. There's a reason why he was named, uh, Gatorade player of the year and all those things that he's been honored with. So Texas is going to, uh, to kick off Saturday evening, seven o'clock Longhorn Network. Tune in; it's going to be great. And I'm just Kyle. It's so stinking good to have football back on the TV. Like it just just drink it in because it always goes down smooth. Like I'm so stinking excited.
1: And and I will be there. Um, this for this this game, I will be uh, tailgating beforehand. So if you see me, I'll be the guy in the burn orange polo. If you see me, um, listeners, come up and say uh, say hello and and um you know I'd love to shake your hand and and thank you for listening to the podcast but yeah I'll be out and about in 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 the thick of things and I am I am stoked
0: go ahead and holler at a player when you see him in the streets <laughs> and so now's the part of the show where we give you a rundown of the things going on on campus and we down the 40 so the the Texas 2020 class uh in about 8 weeks went from number 26 to number six and basically full for the year. Four-star cornerback Josh Eaton out of Aldean MacArthur in Houston picks Texas over those guys in College Station. The number 28 cornerback, the fifth defensive back in the class, a third cornerback, big fella, 6'2", 175. He also plays wide receiver for Aldean MacArthur by uh, virtue of being the biggest guy on the team. Uh, Impressive wingspan, Kyle we talked a little bit early in the, in the summer about our worries with Texas recruiting, but like things are starting to feel pretty good now. Right.
1: You know what I realized? And I didn't put this together until recently, Tom Herman, obviously long time listener to the podcast knows that the summer months that aren't the season can get dull for your, your favorite neighborhood friendly podcast host. So he waits until the summer to, you know, get, what is it? 18 recruits in uh, across the two classes in four weeks. Um, it's very generous of him to do that, to give us all this hashtag content to talk about. Now that we're entering the season, we probably won't see a ton of recruits um, coming in at least, you know, until there's, say, a big win over a nationally ranked opponent at home. Um week two or something, but um, we probably won't see recruits because people are going to want to take their visits. If you've recruited, you've recruited, or excuse me, if you've committed, you've committed. Um, But for the folks who have not, they probably will wait till end of season, I would imagine. um, And also let them get done with their own high school season. So, um, you know, it's probably going to get a little quiet on this front. I think this is a fantastic piece to end um, the, the, the August and, and really summer, Flurry with just a you know a really high upside lengthy dude who can tie his shoes standing up. Um, with that wingspan, just has a lot going on. They added some really 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 good pieces in this class, starting with that offensive line that they built out. Um, you know, and filled some positions of need. Got some really key high quality upside guys. There's probably still just a couple pieces laying out there. To, depending how many they they choose to take, I doubt they're going to take 27. Um, you know, prospects this year. And that's probably what it would take to get a top two or three class. Um, But if they have a few less prospects, then just look at that number, the the 247 grade of commits. And currently I think they sit number two behind Clemson. So they're getting quality. And they have a lot of them now. That's how you get a top six or maybe even top five class. So just a fantastic i'm not calling it the end because i think there, there will be a couple more but a fantastic cap into where they are so far um and in really in the off season um a nice pin to put in it so uh keep keep getting elite kids on campus and coach them up and success will follow the formula is really not that hard
0: Love it. So uh, Texas saw some other players hit the award list. Malcolm Roach on the Hendricks award watch list. And Sam Ellinger got another award watch list. He's on the Manning award watch list. On that same token, Texas named its team captains for the 2019 season. No shocker there. Sam Ellinger, Zach Shackelford, Colin Johnson rounded out for the offense. Malcolm Roach and Brandon Jones representing the defense. So a nice even split. Tom Herman did that incredible thing that he does every year when the captains are named. He calls the parents and tells them the good news. I think my favorite one was his call with Johnny Johnson, right? Because Johnny Johnson was a captain in what, the the 70s or 80s. Yeah. I don't remember when Johnny Johnson played. Uh, but getting to, getting to give the news to a Longhorn legend that his son was going to be a captain captain as well it's just such a cool call to see
1: oh yeah and and, and actually one of my favorite parts about that was was not only did he get to talk about how great colin was but he made a he made a point to say you raised two fantastic sons um because don't forget you know colin's brother obviously kirk johnson so um one being a captain is is an unbelievable honor but uh, it's just this is a it's such a cool thing. I mean, that Herman does this. You 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 recruit at this point in in college football where we're heading in almost a free agency type world with the portal. Um, you you never stop recruiting kids. You get them on campus and they commit, and it, you're not done. Roster management now includes constantly getting that buy in, making them feel the love, and making sure they love playing at ut um and and winning over parents it's not just the five parents that he called it's the parents of the other players who see what's going on if you know that kid who gets passed over on the depth chart goes home to talk to mom and dad and says you know what i think i want to transfer they said do you really not want to play for a coach like tom herman i mean It's part of that constantly keeping the family atmosphere, keeping the kids' families as a part of that. I think it's just there's no downside to it. It's one of those little things that I truly think make Herman a remarkable coach, whether he goes on to win six national championships while at Texas or not. I think the way that he approaches the things that he thinks about that are important, that are adjacent to just X's and O's, um, are really remarkable, and it's just another example of that. So I, I... like you love seeing that.
0: Uh, another thing is great to see DJ Petrinsky has been granted a hardship waiver. He played just in a few contests early in the baseball season and then saw his, he was one of the many catchers that Texas lost uh, last year. He's kind of a combo uh, first baseman, I believe in catcher uh, is or his positions. And so um, it's good to see that Texas or guys that, that didn't get to end their careers in their. Uh, in the their preferred fashion and on their own terms, are able to end their college careers like that. Um, and that that's a good thing for the outlook for Texas baseball in 2019 and 2020.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think Petrinsky, um, they, they have a, a really great, freshman coming in who can learn from him or if he cho- if he ends up being as good as advertised that, that there's still going to be a spot for him on the roster like you said he can play first base or even even dh i mean he he uh was hitting pretty well before he got hurt uh last season so i think it's it's a win all around again anytime you bring back and he's going to be a redshirt senior anytime you bring back that much experience and just program Uh, system knowledge. um, It's great. So, you know, hoping he can share that with a lot of these really good recruits and young guys that they're bringing in and and really get Texas baseball back on track.
0: I'm excited to see it. it. It definitely needs that so, moving on, men's golf was named the preseason number one in the Golf Week Coaches poll. The women came in at number four, expecting big things from them. Cole Hammer won the Mark H. McCormick Award as the WAGA Top Amateur, which means he gets exemptions into both the U.S. and Open Championships this upcoming season. Number four, volleyball, beat LSU in a scrimmage, which hopefully is a good sign for things to come. They opened the season Friday against Northern Iowa. And number 19, Outlast Gonzaga 4-3 to three in a thriller. Savannah Madden came away with a big save on a PK with just five seconds left to play. So the Texas women already in the thick of things.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. I had to go back and watch those highlights with the closing second penalty save. Uh, also, this is a Texas team that if you're someone who doesn't even like soccer, You can still get into Texas's only women's or only soccer team uh, because there's two son or two daughters of former standouts in other sports. Tony Dorsett's daughter uh, is a freshman on the team. And then, as we talked about last year at the podcast, Chauncey Billups's daughter. So um, some some good genes on this team uh, and hopefully that number 19. Uh, number gets uh, even lower by the end of the season. If you can have walk off penalty saves, that's a good way to uh, good way to do that.
0: I think I think the soccer team's gonna be fun. I love this. My Down in the Forty Five is my favorite segment that we do. Just I love I love the soccer team love the volleyball team. But but that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics: Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe. Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: A uh, little, mo- little known fact, Gerald. This is actually my grandmother's favorite segment uh, of the podcast. But no, um, this week, I'm banging the drum on probably my most delicious bang the drum yet. It was after this podcast, I believe one week ago, um, when, when we were doing our kind of post-show debrief. And um, believe it or not, we do just... Light cosmetic editing. Um, we were prepping some of the edits that we were doing, uh, and 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 in that moment, you exclaimed, "Oh wow!" And I I asked, "What's what's going on, Gerald?" And you 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 were the first to break the news to me um, that Popeyes was coming out with their new chicken sandwich um, on that that buttery delicious bread, and um, I obviously had to go and try one. Almost immediately. I think I made it until Wednesday when I had hashtag date night. Took the wife out. Um, we, we each got a chicken sandwich. I went spicy. She went regular. I think I won. Um, but we were blown away by how good this chicken was. Um, my wife is a Chick-fil-A Red member. If you're on the Chick-fil-A app, you understand what that means. It's the highest tier. It's like, the, the you know, you think red on the bottom of your shoes is something for your Louboutins. Red on your Chick-fil-A app is even more impressive. It's the top level of Chick-fil-A rewards. So it was a big deal when she said, I don't know how many more Chick-fil-A sandwiches I'm going to go for while Popeyes has has this variety. She's not willing to cast it fully out, But but that has been a sentiment that has been that's been pretty widely shared. Um, and, and we actually, uh, we actually had the, the Longhorns weigh in, um, on, on Sunday, uh, the, the team was given after practice, um, boxes and boxes and boxes, um, as far as the, eye could see of the, the hard to get Popeye's chicken sandwich. So listeners in Austin, that's why when you went to try to get the sandwich, it was sold out, um, is because they were all at the UT facility. Um, players, obviously freaked out. It was one of the most beautiful social media days uh, of the year as, as players uh, followed the general memes of the internet and just reacted with hilarity um, to it. But they weighed in with takes on how good it was Uh, coach, coach Kevin Washington had, had Tope Amade in to to talk uh, as he often does on his social media about um, how great it was. And Caden Stearns, our boy popped in with the controversial hot take mentioning that he liked Chick-fil-A better. So there is some divisive opinion, but there's two pieces that truly tie this back to Longhorns and the upcoming Longhorn football season, Gerald. Where does Chick Fil A come from?
0: Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Correct, Georgia. Who did we last beat in our last football game? The University of Georgia. Thank you, um, Gerald. Who who are our next? What what's what state does Popeye's chicken come from? Louisiana. Gerald, what state do our next two opponents hail from? Louisiana. That is correct. By virtue of domination of fast food chicken sandwichery, I think that we all know without a fact that the fighting Texas Longhorns will go three and zero in their chicken-related games obviously one of those being in the past um no but but (laughs) truly the 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 writing is right there but the the, probably my single favorite moment um in all of those videos was there was one at one point i noticed i think it was marvion over shown posted to twitter um of people reacting and there was one face um sitting there with a with a you know full tooth smile of pure joy and in the middle of the locker room with his own box as a part of the team was sitting Darian Brown. We've talked at length on this podcast about how sports is about the feel-good stories more than it is the box score, and the fact that Darian Brown got to be with his team to experience the highlight of the offseason, the Popeye's chicken (laughs) uh, sandwich unveiling, which, by the way, sorry to the linemen they got in late, and they didn't get the spices, so I know Shaq was upset, but it truly just warms my heart more than even the soft, fluffy bread, crunchy chicken, and very thick pickles of that sandwich could do. Um, I loved seeing it. It truly sent me into Monday, you know, as energized as any Texas hype video I've seen this whole off season. So I'm excited for football to be back and I'm excited for the stories that make you smile and make you feel good about it. Um, that's a long way of saying that. So just, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, a, on a high right now.
0: It took you a while, but you got there and I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh no, it's I just love how much fun they have. And you know they work hard. Like they, they work hard. They have their be a pro Mondays where they go and like today they were at the cryotherapy and they were at the uh the isolation floating pods and they were doing all that, the massages, the deep tissue stuff. So like they get to have fun but they're working real uh real hard. So my bang the drum this week I don't know if you've seen this around college football, but it's the 150th anniversary of college football. And so Texas has yet another patch on the front of its Jersey, (laughs) which I'm annoyed by, but whatever. Um, And everybody's doing their top 150 things or what have you. So sports illustrated did it's rankings. It's all time rankings for 150 years of college football. And the Texas longhorns appear in the top 10, nine times. Nine times of top ten categories do the Texas Longhorns show up. Now I'm cheating. It's really eight times because they come on one list twice. So the number one greatest game of all time. Your favorite game. My favorite game. The BCS National Championship. Taking it back to Austin, Texas, baby. Mirroring that, the greatest individual performance in a game was Vince Young in that same game. Which... Even got our Aggie friend Mario hyped watching it. Uh, the number three greatest college town. I didn't look at the whole list, so I want to see who numbers one and two are. The n- number four greatest program of all time. The number four greatest mascot of all time. Uh, they've got the they've got Young Bevo on there, which I like to see. <laughs> number five greatest helmet. That one I'm still contending with. I'm trying to think. Maybe Alabama, Penn State. I can't think of any other ones. I'm. I'm maybe Oregon but they have too many helmets. Anywho, uh, the number seven greatest season of all times, Ricky Williams, uh, the greatest rivalry. This is where Texas shows up twice. Number three is the Red River Rivalry Shootout Showdown, which is the real rivalry. And then number 10 is the Lone Star Showdown against the team in College Station that no longer wants to play us because they're going to hold that L close to their chest forever. (laughs) Texas has been bad for a decade, Kyle. Texas was bad for like nine years, 2010 to 2018, 2019, right? Like a 10 year span, basically. And still is one of the greatest programs of all times. It feels good to be the Joneses. It feels good to be the Joneses, Kyle. I'm so excited to see it.
1: I think they should get a patch for each one of these and put it on their jersey. They should have a number one for greatest game, a number one for, great. you know, they should just have nine different patches on their jersey because you know the people need to know but no truly um this is awesome to see you're right it's awesome to to remember you know even when we're down um we only get mocked because people um hate looking up at us for for centuries and they hate the idea that they're about to do it again soon but just in a, in a brief series another you know, the news came out today that they're going to wear a 32 for cedric benson on the helmet so i'm glad it's not another st- anything on the jersey to be honest but i think it's also a really really awesome gesture that they're throwing that up on the helmet for this season but uh, just remember there's a 32 up there but there's a lot of number ones uh because texas is historically one of the best and and, and getting back on that train
0: and I think they're on they're route to being all the way there. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can find me at Kyle Carpenter. And you can also find me at Texas Pregamer. Football season's back, folks. So that means Barking Carnival's Texas Pregamer, the premier satire college football longhorn, specifically weekly pregame article that has very little to do with football, is coming back. So check that out. This week should be up sometime in the middle of the week. Uh, hopefully, it'll it'll give you a good chuckle and help you uh, deal with some of those anxious jitters that Gerald and I talked about uh, in in preparation for football finally being here. Uh, so at Texas Pregamer or at Kyle Carpenter,
0: you can follow me on Twitter. I am at G H Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at. Longhorn pod. Shoot us an email longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com Give us some feedback about the new format using the hashtag replies of Texas on Twitter. You can also check me out on my other podcast, Two Oak Nerds. We're going to be talking about D23, all of the massive news coming out of Marvel and Star Wars and all of that craziness, so you can catch us there on Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, and until next time, hook'em.
1: Hook'em. Light the tower orange, not blue.